The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg Sound On. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Bloomberg Sound On. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Thanksgiving Eve, gobble, gobble. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television, Bloomberg Radio. Lots to get through, lots to preview. Lots to preview because, look, we get a couple days off and then when we come back, it's going to be all about the impeachment inquiry. And folks, Senator Lindsey Graham of the Judiciary Committee is going to be looking into... Hunter Biden. Plus, will President Trump testify or send a lawyer? The latest on that front, as now the House Judiciary Committee, chaired, of course, by Jerry Nadler, wants him wants him to show up. Meanwhile, the White House is in a pre-Thanksgiving push to get USMCA over the finish line. But is that just a pipe dream? We're going to ask our two friends of the program. We're having pizza today in the studio with two friends of the program. Mark Ross, founder of Caracal Global. He hasn't been on in like a year and a half. Just kidding. Because he's been traveling for work. And Luis Schiavone. She, of course, is a journalist and senior lecturer at Johns Hopkins University Carey Business School. Okay, before we talk trade policy, let's first talk what's everybody doing for Thanksgiving? I'm sticking around. You I'm are? going to my daughter's place in the morning and a friend's place in the afternoon. I am not cooking one single thing. You don't, you, you know, good for you, Luis. Yeah. What are you doing in the morning, though? Do you get, like, turkey for breakfast? Uh, I don't know. My, my daughter has something planned. I'm sure it's not turkey. Because right now we have pizza in the studio because anywhere Luis – Luis will refuse to come on the show unless there's pizza in the That's studio. That's right. Why it's should like her I? like list. Like you know how like musicians have a list of things that they need? <laughs> right. What's that called? The jelly – the coconut jelly beans though have been consistently absent. I'm sorry. So. I'll, I'll tell the oh, – I'm not going to – I've been so good, Christine. Mark, uh, <laughs> I, what are you doing I'm, for Thanksgiving? I'm going to watch the Detroit Lions lose. Oh, which is how a, about my Eagles? Which, oh. which is a hit, which is tradition in Michigan. Okay. I'm going to eat uh, pie for sure. Probably Favorite several, pie. Several. I, I don't discriminate between apple and pumpkin. I'm happy with both of them. And then I'm going to catch up on The Crown. So Netflix. I've watched the entire series of The Crown. Oh, my mom is obsessed with it. My parents are coming. I'm, I'm actually... I'm not hosting. We're going to a restaurant. But nice. I'm saying that I'm hosting. Uh, all my family's coming down for Washington, so I don't have to go anywhere. But speaking of this bipartisanship, last week I briefly mentioned this, but the Bipartisan Policy Center invited me to their first of what is they're hoping to be an annual thing with lawmakers and, and on both sides of the aisle. It was like 20 people, and they put together a a like how to handle political discourse around the Thanksgiving table. Oh, that's table. a really good idea. Well, what was their idea? So, because none of those dodge. ideas ever work. It's essentially dodge. I mean, I told I told Ari Goldberg, who's their comms guy over there. It's it, so it says here here here's 
discuss the main course, something meaty. If you have to discuss politics, discuss substantial issues, according to the Bipartisan Policy Center, that matter to you and your family. The economy, health care, energy, civil rights. I'm looking at this. Setting priorities is a challenge for our government. Can your table agree on three of the following issues you would most like Congress and the president to work together on? So what they propose is asking for areas – Asking a question that would unite people instead of divide. I'm like, where I grew up, everyone was, it's hard to get a word in edgewise. You got Democrats, Republicans, vegetarians, libertarians, vegans, everything, you know, talking about, about politics. Yeah, that sounds actually uh, kind of boring. And I think that's why we vote for representatives <laughs> to handle these issues. I mean, you know, I, can't we have one day where we're not talking about politics? Yeah, I know. No. Um, I, I can, no? I completely, <laughs> no? I completely agree with that. So I'm going to this – the thing I'm going to in the afternoon is like there are going to be 18 people, uh, only one of whom I will be related to. Uh, but a lot of journalists who I have worked with over the years, and um, they're always very interesting and uh, jaded. I think the more – I'm not jaded. The more – I've I never been more I'm fired up having, in my life. I'm not having dinner with you, Kevin. Luis, I'm, for I'm the talking record, about my ancient generation For the record, journalists. I've never been more fired up and energized in my life. What? Go ahead. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> you see, we've already started the Thanksgiving <laughs> you <know>? dinner <laughs> conversation uh, <laughs> ahead of time. But um, – um, but I really think that um, th- that discussing politics of any type is 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 just deadly. First of all, I think I think people find deadly. it. I mean, that seems a little <laughs> aggressive. But it's a little much. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> writing about this. People Magazine has a story out today: How to survive talking about politics at Thanksgiving. Five thirty eight has a story out: How to fight with your family at Thanksgiving. Drop the butter knife. Uh, and then what else? Uh, no. uh, NPR, Surviving Family Politics at Thanksgiving. I mean, everyone's writing about this. But here's the thing. I mean, listen, I say talk about it. If you can't talk with your family about politics, what what, what can you talk about? Well, I think it's always helpful when people say things to just say, hmm, that's very interesting. Oh. And um, – you know, what is the point of engaging people over the dinner table where people are going to be upset? Isn't the point of these holidays where you get together with people to sort of enjoy yourself as opposed to get compl- getting completely insane? What that's, about- not, that's not my experience with my family. As being somebody who uh, <laughs> you know, left Ross. the industrial Midwest and moved to the East Coast, I love- when I go back and see my union uncles, they're like, what are you doing? What's happening? You're part of the problem. So. Oh. Um, no, you're part of the solution, Mark Ross. I think that, Congressman Sean Duffy was on the uh, was on Fox News earlier today, and he says, "Don't ban political conversations at Thanksgiving dinner." Listen, you know what I say? I say, go, talk about whatever you want to talk about, you know, and and you know, let the chips fall where they may. So, but don't you find Italians talk a lot about food anyway? I mean, so Italians, like Italians will talk, talk about, about everything. We'll talk about we'll talk about recipes around a ta- around a table where food is the is, is the main subject, and and I think people love to talk about people as opposed to issues. Listen, I'm not a historian, but if I do know the Pilgrims and the Native Americans, the I mean, that was an inherently political discord. That was a geopolitical meeting of the minds, as it is. <laughs> I think it was a takeover, but it was it was a t- the the idea a that there wasn't a political undertone of my what is my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. You get all the food you want, you can eat more, and then you get hoagies the next day with turkey in them. But from respectfully, you date back to the to the OG Thanksgiving when they got off the Mayflower. 
and stuff. What's well, interesting? I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but Virginia is now claiming that they were the side. Oh, I'm not. I've heard. Have this. you heard? That? Like Virginia now is saying we were. They the are first. the home of well, the what, first. Because and, uh, of, so Massachusetts is like Sir Walter we, even states cannot nah, you know agree. What, though? Coming up, we're going to pivot to 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 politics. Uh, and but policy. don't you think weather is going to be a huge a conversation point of no. conversation today? I, mean, I think I think I think impeachment is going to be what everybody's talking about at the Thanksgiving table, and why the Philadelphia Eagles stink, and if they should have kept Nick Foles or Carson Wentz. Yeah, but I just I want to say, if people That'll are talking about happen. impeachment, it will be like a thousand percent. Everybody will have the wrong take on it. What? So you mentioned Virginia the first Thanksgiving. You mentioned this just so everybody knows. I mean, now the Commonwealth—it's the battle of the Commonwealth. It, they really are. But all I'm going to say, I'm not stepping in this. I, I'm so grateful for our Virginia listeners, and they've just welcomed me, this Philadelphia and this Delco president and Philadelphia Eagle fan, into their their, their rush lovers. hour commute yes, home. Virginia's but, for lovers. But I will say, at least Philly. The Philly is where the capital should be. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay, Coming yeah, up, we talk yeah. USMCA with Mark Ross and Luis Schiavone. I was going to do that segment at the end of the show, but I, I couldn't help it. I'm going to have a bite of pizza in the break. Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. Uh, you can find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cerilli. I am so excited to eat turkey tomorrow. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. The economy is booming, wages are rising, crime is falling, poverty is plummeting, confidence is soaring, and America is stronger than ever before. President Donald Trump speaking in South Florida Tuesday evening. He's spending the Thanksgiving holiday at his golf club in West Palm Beach. And uh, he hosted a campaign rally, a Keep America Great event in Sunrise. He said that uh, people should be thankful for the economy. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Luis Schiavone is here, my good friend, my true friend. And we I'm, are true friends. Uh, no, I'm very grateful for our friendship. I'm thankful I am for too. our friendship. Journalist and senior lecturer at John Hopkins University, Cary Business School. We go back years now, Louise. thousand years. And Mark Ross, founder of Caracol Global, a friend of mine as well. But sorry. Mark and I are friends. You know, we met on your show. <laughs> you know, look at me. Well, bringing we, people together, Kevin. Yeah, bring, we hang around all together. the time now. All right. So we've, let's uh, – do you see this poll, the Quinnipiac poll? Good news for Joe Biden. Joe Biden is proving to be Teflon Don. I said it a couple months ago. I mean, no matter what is thrown his way, the former vice president continues to r- remain at the top of the polls. Buttigieg surging to second place. So this Quinnipiac poll, Biden gets the support of 24 percent of Democratic voters and independent voters who lean Democratic. Uh, Elizabeth Warren plunged. And I'm trying to find the list here. Here it is. Warren sank to third place and she dropped to 14 percent. Wow. Bernie Sanders fell to fourth place from third with his support falling two points to 13 percent. I'm reading from The Hill newspaper. And um, Buttigieg is in second. So it goes Biden, Buttigieg, Bernie. I'm sorry, Warren and then Bernie. I mean, Joe Biden's heading into the Thanksgiving holiday. Who wants to go first? Joe Biden's heading in. All right, I have an opinion about this. 
Go ahead. I think I think all along it looked like Biden was going to percolate to the top of this field, but not because he's such an awesome candidate. It's just that there are, number one, too many candidates in the Democratic field, and number two, because there are so many uh, uh, check marks against some of these other candidates. Like, for instance, Elizabeth Warren, the more she talks about these uh, programs that she wants to see for the country, and the more people get an idea about how expensive they are, and um, uh, I, I have to say that Biden, who um, – and I'm, I'm not saying this uh, for partisan reasons, but he's really got a challenge with articulating where he's going. But he has managed to articulate how expensive the programs are that Elizabeth Warren is talking about. Same thing with Bernie Sanders. Uh, and so I think that that has pulled her down. And I have to say that I don't think it helps – to be a woman candidate. I just don't. And I don't think that's fair. But I think that is also an element. And I mean, Buttigieg, he sort of he, – he doesn't really say um, things that are controversial in my opinion. Uh, uh, so, uh, he stepped in it this week and let the last debate. What, what, what did he say? He equated the LGBTQ civil rights movement with African-American civil rights. Yeah, that's that's never a, that's never a smart thing And he's to got say, 0 percent with African-American voters. There's a poll out in South Carolina – that says Biden's up twenty points. Wow! I mean, he's in good shape. I, 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 I listen. I, I've been critical when I when it when it warrants it with Biden world, but I don't I don't think he's heading into the Thanksgiving holiday in bad shape. No, he's not heading in bad shape. He's not in great shape. I think the why challenge. Is it, but why? Let's. I, I'll say this. why because I think there's three reasons. Basically, you have four candidates. They're going to have plenty of money. They're going to go to the distance. This. I thought Joe Biden would be able to clear the field. And have a, a faster path. But the way the Democrat Party also distributes delegates, they do it by proportional voting. So even if you win Iowa by one or two points, you get the headlines, of course. But the delegates, that is who votes in the convention, is going to be spread out between four or five candidates. That means this, this battle is going to go on for a while. I think Biden would, be, would like to see himself much closer to 30, 35 percent than to be in the high 20s. And I think Res- that's the problem. Respectfully, and I, and I say this to both of you, respect, I disagree with that because okay. I don't see the evidence – I, I, the, the Iowa caucus is, you know, in, in, in a couple we, of months, and then if, you've got then you've got New Hampshire, and then you've got South Carolina, then Super Tuesday, and Nevada. There's always Nevada, and and there's always going to be a delegate fight and a threshold. It's not like after the Iowa caucus, it's going to be close. You know, it's not like he's running solo. But to have a twenty-point lead in more, South Carolina, that's more people good. are getting into this race than are getting out of it. So I think that's also a One sign of how how weak the Democrat field is. Also, I you know. It's certainly not bad, but it's not as strong as he should be. And I think the fact that this may go on for a while, and the more Joe Biden talks, frankly, the more he gets himself in trouble. The more Elizabeth Warren talks, the more she gets herself in trouble. Um, I don't know. I think we're going to have a longer fight. I think that's really true. I I completely agree with my good friend, Mark. But, but, you know, the point that the former governor of Massachusetts is now getting into the race, the former mayor of New York is getting into the race, and he's got a ton of money. And you know what Tip O'Neill used to say? Money is the mother's milk of politics. And if you've got a ton of money, you're in good condition. So it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes down, but in terms of how how Democrats view their Democratic standard holder, I still think that Biden is is still ahead. Zaval Patrick is at like 1%. Former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg is at 3%, tied with Senators Kamala Harris and Amy Klobuchar. Um, But with the issue of having so much money is – 
in this climate, in this electorate, is that an asset or a liability? I think it's totally an asset. It never hurts to have a ton of money. I think that DeVal Patrick is running for vice president, frankly. Um, I, think, I mean, have. having money, no doubt, is a great – I mean, obviously, uh, Michael Bloomberg was reported out today. He's actually committed more money to TV ads than the entire current field has spent so far. You know, I worked for Steve Forbes back in the day. He had a lot of money. The key, though, when you have people actually donating money to you, right, it makes a huge difference. That means they're committed to you. Just spending money, you know, it's But tough. same question. In this climate, in this populist electorate climate – is it an asset or a liability? I think when you're running for office, you're you're just you have to play the cards you're dealt. So I mean, the fact is, if Michael Bloomberg wants to be president, he's going to have to spend a lot of money. That's his path to victory. It's hard to say right now if that's the best way. Do you know what I'm trying to? Say? I'm trying to say there's always challenges to how you're going to get in the White House, and that's his best path forward. Um, certainly, you know, Buttigieg, Sanders. I mean, these guys can raise money any given time they want. You know, even. Uh, Klobuchar, and it seems like anytime she needs money, she calls up her ex-boyfriends and they send some cash. I mean, that's an allusion to a quote that she gave: "Don't drive off the road if you're driving." And I'm not, I don't run that type of show here, folks. Okay, go it ahead. seems that money that was her words. Money, her words, I agree. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, SNL was hilarious with that, by the way. Um, I love SNL. I'm not sure any of my girlfriends would get any girlfriends would get. I'm just anyway. Let's, let's steer this conversation. I think money's not going to be the problem. It's going to be yeah. how are you going to get the delegates. To win, and like the fact that the field's expanding. I mean, there's even rumors that Hillary Clinton is thinking about this. So oh, let's not. Geez. I mean, I agree, but let's. <laughs> that has not been put out there. And Louise, <laughs> throughout throughout my travels the last few, you know, I literally have been on the road for two months. Um, yeah, I was, in, have you been? I was in the battleground state of Ohio, and my analysis, you know, from talk, talking to several people, different, you know, folks. Um, nobody's really excited. Like they kind of think Trump's a clown, <laughs> and nobody's really excited with the Democrat field. I mean, I think it's it's kind of like a meatloaf primary right now. I, Where were you traveling for? Uh, work. Just yeah, for your for your for forums, different projects. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's been good. good. And very I don't cool. know why you and I did not go to uh, Mark's Brigadoon Forum in Scotland. We have to do that next year. Okay. Okay. But I'm open to anything. But. <laughs> But can I – I just want to say that I think one of the motivating factors among the electorate this year is is anger. People love to be angry. I mean if you go on Twitter and you see how angry people are I about disagree. everything, I, th- Mayor, I think that that's I why – I have a pretty new, happy kind of guy. A new nickname I've heard for uh – our buddy, you know, the mayor from South Bend is Mayo Pete because he's so bland and so boring. He is the antithesis. I mean, he is like a McKinsey. Yeah, but is he going to win? Who knows if he's going to oh, win? But, I mean, he's there right now. He's yeah. in a better position than uh, Klobuchar. I, I don't Andrew see. Yang. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't think we know. Yeah, I, yeah, all I, think we know is this is going to go on for a while. I have to say that I'm disappointed Andrew Yang doesn't have more game because I think he's sort of an interesting guy, but I, he's not. I don't. I think there's there's been all of these stats out about how little time he gets during the debates, and I totally agree with this. He's been consistently made every single solitary debate. He should be taken seriously. His ideas should be taken seriously. There are, are the Democratic Party on the issue of data collection, for example, in the international community. They, that's, that has its, its roots in the Obama administration. I mean, his policy proposals are have been argued by other politicians before. I, I don't understand why Andrew Yang doesn't get more time. I think he deserves it. And, um, and I, th- yeah. I think he's an intriguing, appealing 
charismatic guy who's obviously he's very, very well smart. thought out. He's a policy he's very nerd. Empathetic. He's talking honestly. I mean, he's like saying these are like legit issues. He's not a policy promising. nerd, yeah. and and I I think that comes through when 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 you talk with him. And, and and I'll say this: it's it's very similar when you interview Senator Elizabeth Warren, when you interview Andrew Yang, Bernie Sanders. They're policy nerds, you know, and and they you might disagree with their policies, but they want to talk policy. And, you know, it's interesting. All right. Well, enough on our 2020 segment. Coming up, we will talk policy. We're going to talk USMCA on Thanksgiving Eve day. And just as a disclaimer, Michael Bloomberg is the founder and majority owner of Bloomberg LP, the parent company of Bloomberg News. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Delco native and ready for Delco to come to D.C. tomorrow. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions. July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent. For Bloomberg Television, Bloomberg Radio, my guests are Mark Ross, founder of Caracol Global, Luis Giavoni, journalist, senior lecturer at John Hopkins University, Cary Business School. All right, USMCA. Why isn't it getting done, Mark? Well, it depends who you listen to, but all indications... We're listening to you. All indications look like something could happen next week. Uh, Mexico and Canada are in town today, meeting with top people over at USTR. So <coughs> um, there's an appetite to get it done. I just think... Uh, it's just kind of it's just kind of there. I, so they're I meeting like today, but with all due respect, I mean, does it matter what Canada, and Mexico say? It matters what Speaker Pelosi says. No, I agree, but there's because I think there's changes that need to be done. You know, the labor unions are still looking for some changes that they want modifications to the trade agreement. Um, so yeah, no, I think it's positive that they're here. I mean, anytime you have trade negotiations, but, but they shouldn't they take- be meeting with USTR. They should be meeting with Nancy Pelosi. Pelosi's the one who has the uh, she is literally well, the only person right now who has the ability to get this. But negotiations are done by the USTR. And I'm sure they're in contact with the speaker's office to get this done. I mean, yeah. there's news reports saying the vote could happen as soon as next week. So. According to Bloomberg reporting, Democrats are pushing for expanding the powers of U.S. customs agents to block the import of goods from Canada and Mexico from factories found to be in violation of USMCA labor standards. The labor, yeah. So, and that's why she gets, it's not all her. I mean, she's sort of waiting for a high sign from the unions, right? Let's, let's, uh, let's do what we do in Delco and just throw out the book. Um, it's like, it's like my Tom Keen expansion. He rips up the script. I'm throwing out the book. Let's talk specifically in layman's, layman's terms what labor expansions are. What is the actual holdup for liberals on USMCA? There are the thoughts by the American U.S. labor unions that Canada and Mexico play by different rules and that it's easier for business to, say, outsource manufacturing to Mexico and Canada, and it's not fair. And So what would they like US to see changed? In basic terms, they would like to see equality, right? That is the same labor practices that are required in America are required in Canada and Mexico. But so that's never going to happen. It might happen. All right. 
Fox Business is reporting USMCA vote could come next week. CNBC says House Democrats are within range of reaching a USMCA trade deal. Politico, trade ministers are close on changes to USMCA. And, of course, our Bloomberg reporting uh, is that all of this is intensifying behind the scenes. Just in speaking with several folks this week, I mean, they they, they want to get this done. and and, and Candidly, I think the votes are already there. So, But what about this monkey wrench? Mexico's government is alarmed that President Trump said he was planning to designate Mexican drug cartels as terrorist organizations. That's another thing that and it's it's classic Trump strategy to, you know, just sort of hurl this out there. And Mexico sees this as an attack on its sovereignty. Well, if you look from a procedural standpoint, if Lighthizer, the man in the middle, is having to negotiate with Pelosi, who's caught between a rock and a hard place with AOC and the like and the Warren wing of the party on USMCA. If you look at it this way, they, Canada and Mexico have to procedurally finalize any changes to the USMCA doctrine that everyone's agreed on. Correct. So that would suggest that, this, that these meetings today, they could be, you know, going – um, 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 what's the, no, there's always the mess- finalizing the details of the changes, and then the vote could happen next week. Do you Correct. get what I'm saying? No, actually, and there's always you know it's there's three parties that are involved. I mean, Ottawa's involved, Mexico City. There's votes that need to take place in all three legislative bodies. So that's why is there space? My experience on trade deals is a lot of things that are said domestically, right, are said for domestic political reasons, right. But when you get in a room, everybody's smart enough. You get smart politicians on both sides. And they're trying to find a path forward. And certainly Mexico and Canada need a trade relationship with us. I mean, we're the biggest market in the world. So it behooves them to find a way to move this bill forward. Yeah, you know, I mean, and, and why shouldn't American labor expect there to be equal labor standards, the same labor standards in these countries on on this continent? I mean, I, having high labor standards is an expensive proposition. This is why people are drawn to uh, moving their factories to other countries, because they don't face the same labor standards that uh, we have here in the United States. And so what the labor unions are saying is well, they just want an EF, um, an even playing field. I don't think that that is an unreasonable thing to strive for, and it's totally something that the Democratic majority in the House of Representatives would take into consideration when voting on this. Yeah, and a bigger geopolitical viewpoint as well is you know strengthening the North American manufacturing and commercial market against China, against India. This is a positive thing. So at the end of the day, I think this is going to get done. Um, I think, you know, for some reason, I feel it's not going to get done until 2020. It's going to move over. But I think all signs that it's moving forward, which is positive. I I actually think if if you're Joe Biden or you're a progressive and you're going after those votes, I actually think the AFL-CIO's opposition to this is is something that could help you. I think that this could get done without the AFL-CIO's backing because it would allow people like Joe Biden uh, to to say, see that? The AFL-CIO, the AFL-CIO is against this deal, and, and I could have gotten you a better one. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm saying? No, 100%. I think any of these trade deals, and I remember you know, I did some work for Tom DeLay when he was Majority Whip, and all politics is local. At the end of the day, the main job – of an elected official or a leader in in Congress is to make sure that they still have a majority in cock in their caucus. So clearly, Nancy Pelosi is looking at these numbers. You know, certainly it benefits. To your point, Kevin, are there Democrats that can you know say, "Oh, I would have done a better job. I'm going to protect you." Of course, like, but the bigger issue is 
you know, we need a trade relationship with these two other neighboring nations, and I think it's going to move forward. All right, coming up, we're going to talk about what's on the panel's radar. Uh, Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. See what President Trump posted on Instagram? He, he put uh, his picture of his his face on Rocky Balboa. I saw that. Luis Giovanni's here, Mark Ross as well. You did see this on Instagram? Why would he do that? That's what well, I do on my Because of the doctor's thing. He says he's in good yeah. health. And that's my there, Bumble profile, the same oh, photo. Oh, Lord, Mark. Really? There was all of this. Um, there was all. There was all of what this chatter about. Let's. There was. All, I feel like I'm like a teacher, and I'm like, come on, class, stay focused. <laughs> there was all this chatter about his health, so he, he posted it on uh, on uh, Rocky Balboa's. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Okay, what's on your radar? Let's start with Mark. Mark, what's on your radar? My radar is next week is the 70th anniversary of the NATO alliance. Yes. Um, and there's a big meeting, two-day meeting in London. Uh, the Queen, Elizabeth, will be inviting the delegation to Buckingham Palace. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of talk. Macron, the French president, has been saying some interesting things about NATO. Merkel is committed to raising funds. The president, as we know, has been very critical of the NATO alliance and the other allies not spending money. Also, I just I read that while President Trump is in London, he's going to do a fundraiser to raise some money, okay. which is allowed. Uh, Americans, expats living in London can meet the president and give him a few bucks for his campaign. So it should be a busy week next week. All right. Very, very busy. All right, Luis, what's on your what's on your radar? I'm a big, big fan of this climate story. And uh, after the U.N. report this week about climate change and how it's really closing in on us, uh, climate change is the subject of a big conference in Madrid next week. Over 25,000 politicians, lobbyists, and influencers are going there. 25,000 people in Madrid. So, What's the carbon footprint on that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> How long do you figure it's going to take to get a cab from the, ta- from the airport to well, Madrid? Well, they'll be riding the bus, I assume. <laughs> Public transport. It's, a, it's an environmental climate. Yeah, they're not going to be. Are you serious? Anyway, um, so I think it's very interesting how the Europeans are really keyed in on uh, climate change and and like what are we doing? This is my question. What what is our government doing? What is the Trump administration doing about about climate? Nothing. And it's and it's it's something that I as an American am concerned about. Okay. All right. Uh, here's what's on my radar. The Hill newspaper put out a poll, a Hill-Harris X poll, and it shows that there is a gender gap between men and women when it comes to discussing politics, even though a majority of both genders say they feel comfortable talking about the subject. 69% of voters said they feel comfortable talking about politics with friends and family who have different political views, compared to 31% who said they didn't feel comfortable addressing the issue. But men are 14 percentage points more likely to say they feel comfortable talking about politics. Wow. 76% of men polled said that they are comfortable talking about political issues. Only 62% of women said this much. So uh, this is the complete opposite of my family. I'm, I'm the youngest of four, and I have, I have three older sisters. So when I was growing up, I mean, I, I always joke about it on the show, but, it, you know, Everyone in my family has had a point of view on everything from politics to sports to anything. So 
but this is interesting as we head into Thanksgiving tomorrow and and that there's this gender gap that men are more likely are, – are, are you guys surprised by this? No, because men shout about politics. So And, and by nature, they're louder than women. So Do you think that's a gender going, thing though? Because no, I mean, I'm they, an I Italian, mean, Irish, Catholic family. Everybody was shouting regardless, guy or girl. Yeah, no. But I mean I think in general that men shout about politics more than women do. So – and being louder, then of course they're going to be more comfortable – you know, to say they're more comfortable talking about it, what they, what they mean is they're more comfortable shouting about about it and women just just can't stand to hear it speaking as a woman i i'm surprised (laughs) i can answer this i feel like i'm defending men um not maybe because politics is it's so raw and it gets in it gets so emotional and it's not insightful and i think uh sometimes it's just it's just raw politics do you know right. what I mean? We're not having like a policy discussion, so maybe you men know, do like to shout and seem more intelligent. But. We never, sh- we never, we never <laughs> had political arguments in my family growing up ever, ever, seriously, ever. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. has asked that people should. Uh, he, he has this book triggered. He's been, he was on a show promoting it. He's he, on Instagram. He posted. That he wants people to, to videotape themselves picking a fight at Thanksgiving, a political fight on Thanksgiving, and posting it online. It's kind of like the Jimmy Trump Kimmel thing. Trump is asking for this? No, Don Jr. Oh, what an... Yeah, it's like the Kimmel yeah. I actually think stealing. this is going to be funny. I mean, I, I'm curious to see these videos, you know, of, of folks doing that. Um, what are your Thanksgiving traditions? We've got like two minutes left. I think the biggest one is getting up, watching the parade. There's there, there's a parade in Detroit, and of course watching that locally, and then of course the Macy's. We Day have parade, the Mummers in Philadelphia. Um, yeah. yeah, I think parades. You know, it's a nice way to start the morning. Maybe a little fire, some coffee. So you guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly that. Yeah, a nice breakfast and watching that coffee. Macy's I remember when I was a kid. I remember my 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 late grandmother Mimi. She would always stay with us the night before. And I would wake up and Mimi would be, you know, getting the turkey ready. And I was like, yeah. oh, my gosh, that bird's like bigger than me. And and then years later, after she passed, my dad, we started frying the turkey. Ooh. You guys fry the turkey? Never. Are you serious? Oh, it's so it good. Done. It's so much fun. It's, it's very, like dangerous very dangerous. Very dangerous. Ground zero. My dad and I would do that. Um, That's cool. As well, so yeah, that was, and we did. I, I told everybody a couple of weeks ago about our tradition of taking a bite of the, the turkey leg and pass, saying what you're thankful for, and oh, passing it around. That's sweet. I never heard it was of very, that. Very well. It's kind of gross. If you if we had like 16 people and you would take a bite, pass it around, and say what you're thankful for. That's nice. What are you thankful for? Quickly. I'm thankful for living in America. I think it's an amazing country. Good answer. What are you thankful for? I'm thankful for my beautiful family and my great friends like you, Kevin. Aw, I am thankful to be an American. I am incredibly thankful for my friends and family as well. And for great colleagues like our executive producer, Christine Barada. Yeah. Who always writes the shit for us. Yeah, and for the pizza that we had today. Awesome. Um, I am going to make an announcement here on Bloomberg Radio. Are you running for mayor? No. No, I'm going to say that I agree with Virginia. I think they had, oh. after careful thought and consideration, I we think are that Virginia the had the first Thanksgiving simply because Boston, Massachusetts, they're cheaters and they're New England Patriots. I, agree. I can see them with taking that way overboard. You know, it's like, Virginia. I, as a Boston girl, I am just not choking that down. Nancy Lyons, my good friend Nancy Lyons, has just put in the chat, way to go, Virginia. Obviously, you know, leave it to the New England Patriots to try to stake their claim on uh, Everything. on Thanksgiving. Yeah, exactly. Hey, like I said, Team Virginia. All right, that does it for me. Happy 
Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy please Thanksgiving, be safe. Please Kevin be safe and, and please do something good for someone else. And thank you so much for listening. I have such I'm so thankful for our audience uh, who have helped make this fun for me as well. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Happy Thanksgiving. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.